the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. And welcome back to the Big Silence Podcast. Karina Dawn here, your host. I Love my guest today. But before I get to that, I want to talk about the weekend we just had and a shout out to Slate Theory Winery in Fredericksburg for World Mental Health Day. We did an event there. My friend Amber Valdez uh, did a beautiful meditation and sound bath and used her beautiful voice. And then, of course, you know, James Nicholas Kenny, writer and performer of The Big Silence theme song, which you always hear. Uh, had a little DJ vibe and, you know, did the big silence song and we sipped some wine and had discussions around mental health. So shout out to Slate Theory Winery. If you are ever in Austin and want to go to a winery, today's guest is Sahar Rose. I met her, I believe back in 2017 at a Tone It Up event we did in Los Angeles. And she really stood out. And we talk about the story of how we met in the podcast. But she is the co-founder of Dharma Coaching Institute, along with Nita, who I was just on Nita's Brave Table podcast. So it is the certified Dharma for your soul's purpose. And it's a spiritual life coaching program. So definitely check that out. And she is the founder of Rose Gold Goddesses and a sacred sister collective all about embodying the goddess within. And we also did some work together with Deepak Chopra. I was very excited that Sahara actually was in Austin, so she got to come to the studio in real life. But uh, enjoy the podcast. And of course, if you enjoy it, share it with anyone who you think might want to listen to it. And also, uh, The Big Silence is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. So... Uh, if you love this podcast with no commercials and keep providing all of this insight, please donate at thebigsilence.com slash donate, also in the show notes. All right, enjoy. All right, welcome to the podcast, Sarah Rose. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. Yeah, and Sarah is here in Austin, live and in person, which is awesome because you were here a few weeks or a month ago or sometime, something, and I reached out to you and 
you said you were going to be back. It's always nice having someone in person in the studio. Absolutely. Feel that like in-person energy and let the magic unfold. I first met you in 2017 at a Tone It Up event. And I'll just give a little context yeah, of okay. that video. So <laughs> a friend of of mine and I were like, let's just make funny videos, you know, and just like making fun of ourselves and how seriously we take ourselves. So we did this video because we had the same publicist at the time and she invited me to the Tone It Up event. And I'm like, let's imagine we were like two like fangirls and we were like meeting our biggest, you know, idols in the world, which was you guys. You I'm not Katrina. your biggest idol. <laughs> so we were like in, but we made the video look like these two girls are like meeting the hottest guys on this date. Mm-hmm. So the video was like, oh my God, like I can't wait to meet them tonight. And it's like, which one are you going to take? The blonde one or the brown haired one? It's like, I think I'm going to go for the brown haired one. It's like, perfect. I want to go for the blonde one. And then it's like, we're getting ready. And so people think we're like about to meet these two guys. And then it's you guys at the at your <laughs> meet and greet. And then you guys had no idea what was going on. And we just like <laughs> hugged you. And we were like, oh my God, oh my God. And then we pretended to get a heart attack and fell on the floor. <laughs> and then Katrina actually like pretended to like heart like yeah yes. <laughs> do the CPR thing on us so I love how you guys just played along with it and then you we were just like bye you're like bye we're like yeah. what just happened yeah. <laughs> but then where did I run into you again and or then was- we were both gonna teach on the Chopra retreat yes, yes. okay so, that's what yes. it was and we connected through mm-hmm. Chopra mm-hmm. well I know you as the queen of Dharma and finding your Dharma so I'm excited to talk about that and mental health, obviously. And we were talking before this about like the doshas and how they affect your mental health and all of that. But I would love to go back to Sahara as a little girl. Um, My mom was a refugee who fled Iran during the Iran-Iraq war Mm -hmm. and the Islamic revolution that right now Mm -hmm. Iran is majorly in the news for killing people for showing their hair. So when that revolution happened, my mom had to escape illegally on foot and found her way to the U.S., and my dad also fled during the revolution. So both of their lives have been majorly around survival, right? Like, how Mm -hmm. can I get to the United States and fit in and acclimate and learn this new language and start from scratch? You know, they lost, my entire family lost everything, their their money, their lives. My grandfather went from, like, a general of the military to a convenience store worker. So similar to many immigrant stories, it was one of, you could lose anything, everything overnight. So... Don't take what you have granted. Don't rest. Don't stop working. Like, keep going. And, you know, my lineage has also had major female suppression in it. So my grandmother was in a forced child marriage when she was 11 years old to my grandfather. And no woman in my family before me has ever worked. So coming into this country as the first person born in the U.S., the first woman going to college, the first woman working, the first woman, you know, let alone, like, writing books, let alone DJing, let alone like all these other things. It's been like a massive, (laughs) Mm -hmm. massive ancestral shift. So when I was a kid, I've always known that I was here to help people. Like I've always known this lifetime is about being of service. And I would look around and see who helped people in in a huge way. And I would see Mother Teresa and Gandhi and Martin Luther King. And I'm like, okay, well, what they all have in common is they sacrifice their life. Mm -hmm. So I should sacrifice my life to help people. And that brought me on a journey of working in human rights. So I was the president of our Amnesty International chapter, and I was organizing protests. And I went to school in D.C. to study international human rights law, and I was, like, on a mission to save the world. And that's when I had to learn the lesson of you can't save the world until you heal yourself. So when I was 21 years old, my body went through a massive health imbalance. 
started with digestive issues. Like I couldn't eat any food without being super bloated and everything was just like causing me to be in so much pain. And that led to hormonal issues. I didn't get my period for a few months, a year, two years, no menstrual cycle at all. When I got a blood test, they said your body has gone into perimenopause. So you no longer are producing any estrogen and testosterone, which means you're never going to be able to have kids, of course, but also you're going to go through osteoporosis probably earlier in life and the mental health issues that come with that, like the whole host of issues that happens when you're 21 years old and you stop producing hormones. So I couldn't continue to like be so outward focused of how do I save the world? It's like, how do I heal myself? And that's just when I became obsessed with learning everything I could about holistic healing and eventually the mind-body connection, eventually Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga based off of this, and learning about one of the doshas, one of the mind-body types in Ayurveda, vata, for the first time I saw all of my symptoms, you know, from the bloating, gas, constipation, amenorrhea, but also the mental, the mental issues, but even, even gifts that I had of, you know, the the gifts of this vata, this air type are you're creative and you're idealistic and you're big picture oriented Mm. and you're just fast moving like the wind. But the shadow sides are anxiety, feelings of confusion, like doing a lot of different things and then not knowing which one to finish and then being overwhelmed by them all. So I started to notice that my mind and body were connected and my physical symptoms were a reflection of what was going on mentally within. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me deeper into then my spiritual journey of, okay, what is the real reason why I'm out of balance? You know, part of it, yes, is changing my foods, changing my lifestyle practices. But the bigger part of it was I was out of alignment with my dharma, my soul's purpose, the big reason why I was here. So I became really just obsessed with like, do I even have a purpose? Like, and then at this time of like really going down my spiritual journey, things start to get really tough with my family of like, you're not going to get a normal job. Like you're mm-hmm. like, you're not going to, you're, you're just going to go to India. Cause by that time I had been going to India and studying Ayurveda and, you know, clearly not on the mainstream path. And it just brought up all of their fear of we risked everything and we sacrificed ourselves for you. And this is how you repay us. So there was a lot of just guilt of Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe I should just do this one thing for my parents of just like, I don't know, my like life's purpose, you know, as if it's just this one thing. And a lot of confusion of like, do I even have a purpose? Or is this some like American dream story that they tell you? And the truth is like, you don't and everyone hates their job and you just have to find one you just don't hate that much. And I didn't know because I didn't have any examples. And and that's what led to me being on this journey, eventually writing Discover Your Dharma and being here. Yeah, but so what was it in you? There must be something in you that knew that you were different than your lineage. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you discover that? I think I've always known because even when I was a child and I know you felt the same and I would just see the dynamics in my family, it would just be so obvious to me of like, like I just became their marriage counselor from the time I was a kid, which, you know, in a way is parentification, Mm -hmm. but also like there was, I, that's why I believe in past lives. And I believe in being an old soul because I was just born into this, like, Hey, like 50 and 40 year old person, like here are your dynamics and here are your, here are your issues. And I would read like the parenting books my mom would buy for herself and be like, 
hey, mom, I read that book and like, here's what you're doing wrong and like, here's what you can improve on. So I do think that some of us are old souls and we've been on this planet before and we were, and we were born into that. I think also it's just my curiosity. Like mm-hmm. I'm someone who anything in life, I will ask questions and want to dive deeper into, which is obviously why I podcast. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if you're someone listening to this, you're probably like that too. Yeah. So what was your first book again? My first, so when I discovered Ayurveda and became obsessed with knowing everything about it, I was like, I need to write a book about this to help bring it to the millennials. And I knew nothing about the book writing world. I'm like, I'm just going to write this book. Mm -hmm. And I was writing and writing away. And of course, I had never met an author in my life. I didn't even know the first part of the journey. So it took me two years to figure out how to write that book and the chapters and just the money I was making as a health coach, I would invest it into getting it edited and graphic designed. And eventually I found a literary agent and I submitted for that book, but I got rejected by over 30 different publishers. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, one of those agents was talking to the Idiot's Guide group, right? It's like Idiot's Guide to mm. Gardening, oh, yeah. Idiot's Guide to this, Idiot's Guide to that. And they were looking for someone to write the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. They had someone who was like four months into the six months that it takes to typically write the book, and she quit because it was too much work because it's like a 450-page textbook. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, well, you didn't get a book deal for this, but if you want, you can like submit yourself for writing this Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda book, but you have to write like a detailed table of contents of like every single thing you would write in the book. I'm like, okay. I went to Barnes & Noble's. I read every single Idiot's Guide book out there, <laughs> stayed up all night, wrote the 16-page table of contents, sent it to them. They're like, hmm, this is good. Let's see how you would write a chapter. Went back to Barnes & Noble's, read every single book, like got their tone, wrote that chapter, sent it back. And then I was hired to write this book. And like part of me was so excited because it was a book deal, but it's like, great, now I have to write a whole new book on Ayurveda in two months in this like Idiot's Guide series tone. And it's going to be the official like American textbook for Ayurveda. (laughs) So I like can't just channel my creativity and it needs to be really precise. But this is why I believe in past lives because as I was writing this book, and I would be writing this book 16 hours a day, you know? But sometimes I would just look out the window and my fingers would just be typing. And I was just writing specific information like the gunas and the subgunas, things that I actually never even learned in this lifetime that were coming through. And then again, when it was fact-checked, it was all actually ancient Ayurvedic text. So this is why I believe this is just not my first lifetime doing this work. There's just no way I could have known what I knew about something that's like so ancient that Stuff about Ayurveda, most of it is just not even in English. You know, it's like in ancient Sanskrit. So, yeah, that was my first published book, then Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And that's when I walked up to Deepak Chopra at a conference and he wrote the foreword. (laughs) I know. I heard that. I was like, damn, girl, you get it. Yes. So I want to go back to rejection. Yes. And mental health. So rejected by multiple publishers, which I was rejected by every major publisher for my memoir. So with Tone It Up, we had two books that came out and, you know, it was all in it. But then once I came out with the memoir, they're like, this is too dark. This is too, too much. Can she write more about fitness and wellness? I'm like, no. (laughs) So I actually ended up Mm self-publishing because I was like, I'm not going to do what I don't want to do. So myself having rejection over and over again, like, how do you deal with that? Mm. I think with rejection, like our first take of it, you know, when we've never had any form of success, we're like, well, I guess this just isn't going to work, you know? And I do think my initial was like, 
I mean, I guess I just wasted these two years of my life and my parents were right. And like being a starving a writer is like being a starving artist, which is what they would always tell me. And like, I guess I got to go become a real estate agent, you know? And that's literally what I, what I thought. And then as I would study for this like real estate broker exam, I would start crying because it was so out of alignment with my dharma. And then I would start dreaming of, well, what if, like, what if there was a way, what if it could work? And I just let those what ifs be louder than the, well, it can't. You know, so it was never just like a, it's going to happen no matter what. And I know like there was a lot of doubt and a lot of confusion, but throughout it, I just kept stepping forward. And I was also open to other ways for it to happen. So, you know, my first book was not my unique, modernized, plant-based approach to Ayurveda. It needed to be this official textbook. But I believe that that was put on my path for a reason because I needed to like, you know, write my PhD basically Mm -hmm. before going into my own creative thing. So I think sometimes it's having that North Star and that greater goal and doing what you can to make it happen, but then also being open to the things that show up along the way that might not look exactly like that thing, but will help you get there. Yeah. And so as you're going along your path and there's rejection, what was your aha moment? Like I found my purpose. Because so many people out there are like, what is my purpose? So I see your purpose. And when I say the word dharma, there's many different definitions of the word dharma. And I'm referring to one of the most ancient ones, which is your unique place on the planet. You are a part of a jigsaw puzzle. And it's not just what you do, but it's who you be. So I see your dharma as your energetic signature. You know, it shows up in every conversation that you have, in every person that you meet, in every project that you do. So it's not like, I found my career and this is my dharma, but rather it's, I became the fullest expression of me, which is also Mm ever-changing. So I would say we're all always, in a way, living our dharmas, whether we're conscious of it or not. It's just how many layers of the versions of ourselves that are not true to us, can we remove so we can remember? So I believe as a child, when I was like being creative and expressive, I was living my dharma. And even doing the human rights work, I was living my dharma. And then even being true to myself in my health journey, I was living my dharma. And then in writing the book and in everything I did, I was living my dharma. And even in the obstacles, I was too. You know, I got into a horrible fight with my dad where he basically disowned me Mm -hmm. and said, you are dead to me. I want nothing to do with you. You are a disgrace. You're not my daughter because I was living this different career path. And and honestly, he was just afraid for me. Mm -hmm. He was afraid that his daughter would end up homeless. He thought I was like seduced by these hippies and into, you know, this following my dreams. And that was just not his experience. Yeah. But Even in that fight, I was living my dharma. As long as you are being true to yourself in any moment of time, you are living your dharma. And I would say the first moment that I really felt it was when it was reflected back to me. So when I actually wrote the book and I saw, wow, I'm not just talking about it, but I'm actually taking action on this thing. And I could hold something in my hand or see something out into the world and and know that You know, because a lot of us, especially spiritual people, we have a lot of ideas in our minds, but we don't channel them into actual manifestations. And and that's how we get courage, right? So it's like when you actually follow through on your dreams, that's when I believe it's reflected back to you. Yes, I'm living my purpose. I love that. My dad also tried to disown me (laughs) when I was like, I'm moving to LA when I was 18 years old. He's like, I'm disowning you. But then finally he was like, she's going to do what she's going to do. My follow 
your intuition, your purpose. I didn't know what I was doing. My dad was scared as shit. He's like, she's moving to California. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you're going to do it anyway, so I will drive you there. But I think they just try to say whatever is, like, the most drastic thing they can to, like, stop you from doing something that they believe is dangerous. Yeah. But— you know, we also have to understand they just grew up in a very different time. So the possibilities that we have just like simply weren't available or in their awareness. So of course they're not going to get it. And instead of trying to spend our time explaining it to them, let's put that energy towards doing, doing our dharma <laughs> and then showing them what's possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I'm I'm second generation here uh, from uh, the Ukraine. But um, yeah, so totally different, you know, lifestyle our parents are just different than us mm-hmm. and we are so much more free-spirited okay so then you follow your dharma you know how to do that what about imposter syndrome mm. so my take on imposter syndrome is different than most people's okay because i think imposter syndrome in a way is here to protect us you know mm-hmm. there is an element of it that's i know what it takes to have mastery in something And I don't want to say I'm a master in something that I'm not. And I think that's coming from a really pure place, you know, Mm -hmm. because if I'm just like, hey, guess what, guys, today I'm a doctor. It's like, well, I'm not, you know. Mm -hmm. So I do think that sometimes we like beat ourselves up and it's like, okay, where is this imposter syndrome coming from? Like, are you actually maybe just not ready for the thing? Are you are you aware of all the steps that it takes to master something? And I think that, again, there, we live in such an overnight success world of like, you know, people change their Instagram bios like every day. And then it's like, now I'm a this, now I'm a that, now I'm a that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, again, are you putting in the awareness that it takes to really understand something from the bottom? So I would say if you're feeling that, there is some intelligence there. However, where the intelligence stops is when you have dove into something and when you have, you know, given it your all and you still feel like you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And and I think we also experienced that too. So for me, imposter syndrome showed up with, who am I to write a book on Ayurveda? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not this old man from India with 50 years of practice. What if the whole Ayurveda community disowns me and hates me and, you know, cancels my book? And I had a lot of fear around that specifically. But what I got to realize for myself was I'm not claiming that I'm that. I'm someone who had health issues who Ayurveda has worked for. This is my take, and this is what I did to heal myself, and I'm only speaking from my own experience. And for some people, that's the bridge that they need. They need to hear it from someone that looks like them, sounds like them, has had a similar background as them. Otherwise, they're just never they're never going to find like the ancient, you know, gurus of India. They they need to hear it from someone who's accessible to them. So I began to understand myself as a bridge. And when I saw myself as a bridge, then it removed the imposter syndrome because I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. Yeah, I love that too because I suffered from imposter syndrome, you know, with Tone It Up building this, you know, huge community and this brand and everything and like I am not worthy and then I'm like wait well I am because the reason I work out is for my mental health and it's healed me and moving my body so I know that experience and then like who am I to teach meditation oh well I've experienced it firsthand that it heals me Mm -hmm. and mentally it's something that I need so you can speak on it and it it took me a long time, and now I'm at this point where I'm like, girl, you deserve it. Like, you just have to be like, 
Yes, you earned this. You lived it. Yeah, with imposter syndrome, like we're all just living our our best life and doing the mm-hmm. best that we can. And um, sharing our experiences, I think, is even more healing than going to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because, you know, let's say you needed help with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Would you rather go to the person who's like, yeah, I remember 20 years ago, like once I was anxious. I have no idea what that was like. But like, sure, I've read lots of books on it. <laughs> or would you go to the person who's like, hey, I still wake up with anxiety every day and here's what I do that helps. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we want people who've gone through the weeds, who are still going through the weeds, who know what it's like to walk through the steps that we're walking through today, not a million lifetimes ago, but even more recently. And I think that sometimes that imposter syndrome of like, well, I'm not healed enough to help others majorly holds us back because healing is a continuum. It never Mm -hmm. ends. It's a spiral. And people don't want you to be perfectly healed. They actually want to know where do you still hurt and how do you help heal that? Do you believe in being fully healed? Or no, do you, okay. it doesn't it doesn't exist. It's a it's a continuum because yeah. there's always going to be deeper and deeper layers and yeah. you know there's so many different ladders of your life too that you know maybe you can coach me on, you know, you've really studied mental health, you've really studied fitness, you've studied meditation, you can coach me on that. I've studied Dharma and Ayurveda and the goddesses, and I can coach you on that. It's like we all have different ladders in our lives, and who we can help are people that we're just three steps ahead of on that specific ladder. And that doesn't mean that the ladder has an end or even a beginning. It's just a constant evolution. And I also find that sometimes we phase out of certain soul mm-hmm. contracts in our lives mm-hmm. that, you know, for example, speaking about Ayurveda, I did that solely for seven years, and then I could feel. I'm kind of complete with speaking about this right now. It's always going to be a part of me. But what's more exciting to me is the bigger questions of spirituality and our dharma and joy and embodiment. And there are enough people to pass that torch along to who are excited about speaking about that now. So sometimes we have soul contracts with different iterations of our dharma. And it's to also honor when that contract is complete. And then what is exciting for you? And that's paving the pathway for your next one. So... I 100% agree with you on that. And even with myself within my own career and industry, like from wanting to teach HIIT workouts to now I'm just yoga and meditation. It's where I feel Mm -hmm. and, you know, and having the nonprofit. Have you had your following in your community come to you and say, why are you shifting? Oh, absolutely. You know, my Instagram handle for those first nine years almost because I started blogging in 2011. So Mm -hmm. 2011 to like 2018, I was under Eat Feel Fresh. I wasn't even Mm -hmm. using my name. And it was like very much about the food and the ingredients. And, and, you know, we all were really obsessed with health on Instagram, I feel like at that time too. So I remember one night I was just so sick of making a recipe and taking a picture of the recipe and talking about the recipe. I'm like, I literally don't give a crap about this. And I can't continue to live a lie. And just at midnight one day, I just changed my Instagram handle to my name. I am Sahara Rose. And I literally almost wrote an apology. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm sorry I need to make this shift, but I just can't do this anymore. I want to talk about why we are here and where we are going and these deeper things. That's what I'm personally interested in. And I also understand if you don't want to come on this journey. And I thought maybe that was like the end of my career, but I would rather have that happen and be true to myself mm-hmm. than put myself into another box. You know, the same mm-hmm. box that I would have put myself in in a corporate job that wasn't serving me. Sometimes we even recreate that in our entrepreneurial journeys. And 
I thought it was the end, but really it was just the beginning. Yeah, I love that. And, and, you know, with our communities and your community and mine and allowing us to be who we are and transition to the women and as that we keep growing into, I think it's so important, not only for for us, and our, but also our community members, mm-hmm. like to be there for them and allow everyone to ebb and flow and have change, which is so important. Yes, we're all multidimensional and it yeah. gives people permission to express their multidimensional selves too. Because when, even if I don't, if I am not every single side of you, you know, maybe you don't twerk and DJ like I do, but you can find yourself in an expression of having your own playful energy. Maybe for someone who looks like Led Zeppelin, maybe for someone else that looks like pole dancing, looks like anime, could look like anything, but you're giving people permission to express the parts of themselves that they have carried shame around. Mm. And often it's those things that you are the most shameful about, the most embarrassed about, the most like, I can't let anyone know this about me. That's actually what your magic sauce is. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I had a friend who he was in jail multiple times for getting into fights and now he's a breathwork teacher, but he didn't want anyone to know about that. He thought, Mm -hmm. I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. And he started to share a little bit in class and then a little bit more. And now it's a huge part of his brand and who he works with. And it's so beautiful because again, I haven't been to jail, but I'm interested in how did you find breath work from that experience? Or how does someone find spirituality in their deepest, darkest depression? How does someone find wholeness in a place that they feel fragmented? Even if your story feels boring, you know, maybe Mm. a lot of people say, well, I don't have a cool story. It's like, tell me how you awakened as an accountant. Like that to me is interesting. Things that fit outside of the box are what we need. We need more expressions of multi-layered, multi-textured, multi-faceted humans because it shows us that we are allowed to be all of those things too. Amen. All right. So I want to ask you about the three doshas. Yes. I'm not the expert on that as we've talked earlier. Like you got friends who are experts at different things. And so I've taken my test on what I am with the doshas. But I want to talk talk about, uh, we were talking earlier about how doshas and mental health Yes. So the word dosha means energy in Sanskrit. And there are three energy types. They're based on the five elements. So to make it simple, I'll just share the the main element. So vata is air energy, pitta is fire, and kapha is earth. So I'll just call them air, fire, and earth Mm -hmm. to make it simple. So people who have more air, air type personalities, they are creative. You know, if you think about the air and how the air would flow inside your mind, It's fast-moving. It's ever-changing. It thinks outside the box. It can't be contained. It's very creative. It's artistic. It's making meaning out of things. You can never predict the direction of the wind. It's that type of energy. So when it's in its gifts, it has that visionary-type energy. So if you look at many artists, Steve Jobs, Picasso, many people who've just channeled new things on Earth, they're carrying that that air-type personality. However, when there's too much air, it turns into a tornado. Mm. And that's when it feels like anxiety, you know, of, oh my God, there's so much racing through my mind and so many thoughts and I just, I can't contain it. And often it goes into what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And, you know, we use our imagination to make up all of these scenarios and then like, we're like in the experience and it's not actually happening. So it's like the energy is very up and not grounded in the body. So that anxiety can trickle into just fear 
worry, like just being on edge. It's a very hyper aroused nervous system state, that flight response of like kind of escaping, going, going. And I think our social media culture, our internet technology in general, because you're clicking on things at the speed of light. It's like you mm-hmm. can't physically get that amount of information. It, so we all have a vata imbalance just from being in technology. However, mm-hmm. some of us are born more like that. It's more in our genetic makeup. And then some of us have become more like that. So for me, that's definitely like my predominant type. And I can feel when I am out of balance because for me, it's like waking up and like I'm already like stressed out and thinking about a million things that can go wrong. So if you're feeling anxiety is sort of the main avenue you go to, but you're also a very creative, artistic person, that's the air type. Now, the fire type is the fire is strong. It is sharp. It is passionate. It's driven. So it always has a direction that it's moving towards. So Pitta, fire people, they tend to be very structured, goal-oriented, organized. They're always like, what's next? What's next? Keep it flowing. So very like an entrepreneur. Like if you think about Gary Vee, mm-hmm. <laughs> he really has that. Athletes have that. People who are working in maybe finance and those types of like very fast-moving environments. So those are their gifts that they're able to like bring things to action and they don't waste time. A lot of fitness people have that Pitta fire I'm personality. Pitta. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Pitta and Kapha. Yes. Yeah. So for you, it's like you're like, anything you do, you play big. You're, you know, you're just like, okay, fitness, like create an empire. Okay. Meditation. <laughs> we got a school bus. Like, you know, what's next? <laughs> yeah. you're, and, and that's the beauty of, of the Pitta, of the fire. It's like fire brings transformation. It brings change. It brings, you know, it's like burn to the ground and build a new one. And it doesn't, it doesn't like stay in the idea phase for too long. It's just like, okay, let's actually take it to action. It's, it's very focused on execution. And I have like, and I can share with you later, but it's like three stages of bringing your dharma, your purpose into the world are actually the three doshas as well. So if, so the air type is the ideation And then the pitta, the fire type, is the execution of the idea. So that's where fire people really stay, the execution. However, you stay there for too long, it's burnout, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) like running yourself to the ground. It's adrenal fatigue. It's physically rashes, hives, inflammation, acid reflux, acne, oily skin, you know, agitation in, Mm. in the mind and body. So... Like if you ever see someone that's just like hyper inflamed, that's often a sign of a pitta of fire imbalance. So for them, what they need more of is cooling, hydration, yoga and meditation, restfulness. Mm-hmm. Then we have the kapha, the earth type of people, mind and body. So in the mental realm, kapha is, if you think about the earth, the earth is slow moving and it goes at its own pace and it's very sweet and motherly mm-hmm. and gentle. Mm. and it pauses and it's not in any rush so even right now how do you feel when I start talking like this just all of a sudden calm calm yeah yeah so for some people this actually might make them feel really anxious Mm. of like why are you talking so slow I got places to go, <laughs> things to see. <laughs> I'm looking at Emily over here. I need here. to 2X this podcast now. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. People talking really slow. It makes me anxious. Right. So it's like that's your relationship with the kapha, with the earth. Of, yeah. Are you like, mm, yes, this all of a sudden I just feel so restful and calm. I love this energy. Or are you like, hurry up, go faster. You know, I got places to go. And, and that's your relationship with it. So think like Eckhart Tolle. 
you know, I went to an Eckhart Tolle talk. I don't know if you've been to one before. And he's like, he like walks on. He's like, oh, you awake. Speed up. (laughs) He's like, if you're enjoying this. Yes. (laughs) You are awake. And like that, it was more pausing than there was speaking. And like half of the crowd was just like, so agitated, like hurry up. And then the other half was just like in meditation. So that's just your relationship with it to him. It's not about what he says. It's just about the being. It's about the literal energy of being. And that's like really what the kapha is here to do. But it's not always so like, so hyper kapha like that. Someone like Oprah is also a good example of Mm -hmm. she's very motherly and soothing and she sits down and she asks you a question and she's like, honey, how are you really feeling? Mm-hmm. And just allows the space for you to open up. Mm-hmm. So that's really the beauty of Kafa. It's spacious. It's grounded. It's calm. It's motherly. It's nurturing. It brings humor and joy and and beauty to this world. And it's honestly one of the doshas. It's probably the dosha that we need the most of collectively right now because we're so disconnected from Earth. However, when there's too much Kafa in your system, which also can happen and does happen in the society due to our junk food and our inertia and our inactivity, that's when you get stuck. Mm-hmm. And everything feels like it's too much effort and your nervous system is in a freeze response, mm-hmm. right? So if, if the pit to fire is a bit more fight, this is freeze. So that's when you can't get up in the morning, let alone exercise. That's when you take on all of your friends' problems and you feel heavy. That's when you start emotionally eating, binge eating. You know, oftentimes people who are kapha, they are overweight because they're holding on to a lot of energy and emotion, but it doesn't mean that they're eating the most. It's often like they don't eat throughout the day and then they'll binge eat all of a sudden at once. And they tend to be drawn towards comfort foods because those are foods that bring in more kapha qualities in your life. So carbs, dairy, sugar, you know, Mm. these things are going to make you feel comfort in the moment. So what kaphas really need to learn to do is to have more of that fire, to set more boundaries, to take action on the things that they want to do, to have the energy of devotion towards their their dreams. Otherwise, they're going to end up like taking care of everyone around them and not following through on what they really want to do. Oh, man. Yes. And this is the energy. So I have three stages of living your dharma. So idea, vata, execution, pitta, reevaluation is kapha. So when you're re- when you've stepped away from the thing that you were doing and you're reevaluating of who am I now? Do I want to keep doing this? Like what's feeling out of alignment? And it's in that energy of the sacred pause that you channel the next idea and you come back to the vata, the ideation stage. Wow. And so anyone listening, where can they find this? Because you also have a My different book. Yes. Yeah, your book, and then also you have the test for your dosha for your mind and your body. Two different tests. Yes. So in my book, Discover Your Dharma, which is like on Amazon or Audible or wherever, this is where I talk about the doshas in relation to your purpose and your personality, which is everything I'm speaking about right now. If you want to take my quiz on what's your main dosha in a health perspective, you can find that on my website on iamsaharose.com. You can see on top. Um, We can also link that below. Yeah, we'll put everything in the show notes as well. Yes, and that will tell you the percentage of the dosha you have physically due to your physical symptoms and then mentally with the mental symptoms. I love that. I'm so into doshas. So once you know them, it's like the lens you see your life through. You're like, oh, this is a very pitta situation or oh, this is super vata or I'm feeling kapha today. And what are you? I'm vata pitta. Okay. 
So I was super Vata before, like the, which is the air one of lots yeah. of ideas. But then as I start to take action on those ideas, like writing my book and then creating my business and Dharma Coaching Institute, which is where I train Dharma Soul Purpose coaches, that has led to me becoming more of that pitta because I'm in this energy of action. However, I have to also be careful to not stay there for too long because it's not my truest gifts. My truest gifts are coming from my Vata energy. So sometimes I have to like step away from like being so in in it to channel the higher vision because my truth of who I am is, is an artist. So it's like sometimes in life we step into another dosha because we think that's who we need to be to survive. And it's not truly why we're here. Oh my goodness, Sahara. I have enjoyed talking with you and I'm now about to go on your podcast. Yes. Yes. Highest so, self. Highest self podcast. Go to the show notes because we're going to share all of Sahara's stuff where you can find her. Take that quiz. Tag us because I want to know what everyone is. And I am going to take your quiz because I haven't taken like a test in like years. So you can change your doshas. Yes, they change with your lifestyle. Yeah. All the, your, the ones that you're experiencing right now, the one that you were born with, which is called your prakriti, actually never changes. Okay. We could do another episode on that. What's yeah. your prakriti? My, my prakriti is vata pitta. Okay. So I've gone back. But let's say I went through a depression or I, I really burn myself out, I might yeah. take the quiz and be super pitta or super kapha, but that's not the truth of who I am. So really what we're here to do is to go back to who we were. Shit. Can we do another episode just on that? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm so interested and like take the quiz. Maybe And there are ways like you can tell like, you know, the size of your wrist, your jawline, the size of your hips. There's all these like physical things that you could tell what dosha someone was born with. Look at my wrist. What am I? So put your hand around your wrist. Let's see. Okay. So that's like a pitta kapha right there. Yeah. And would you say that your body structure, you, where do you tend to put on weight? Are you like more pear or straight or apple? Like where you tend to, like, what would I you say your- say like hips and belly. Okay. So pear. Yeah, yeah. That's more pear. And would you say you're like an ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph? Like <sighs> hard to put on muscle, easy to put on muscle. Easy. Easy to put on muscle. Yeah. Okay. So that's pitta. The pear is more kapha. So you are pitta kapha. Dang. Yeah. These quizzes are right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the the shape like, of your face, you do have a longer face, which is a little bit more of a vata face. Yeah. But you have like a strong face too, like strong jawline, which is that pitta. Typical t- kapha faces are a bit more round. Yeah. Like I actually have sort of like a kapha face, but then my like bone structure is super Tiny. vata. Yeah. Yeah. You have like no wrists. I can like wrap my fingers twice around them. Yeah. So people who are vata, when they wrap around their wrists, there's a lot of space. Pitta, it's like just touching kapha, not much touching. Vata tends to be like straight in their hips, like just a straight body type. Pitta tends to be more muscular. Kapha tends to be more curvy. Jawline, you know, there's so many different implicators. I I write about this all in my book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Yeah. I'm going to get that book. And I have your current book, but I've like I said, when you got here, I was like, I can't find it. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Yeah. So many fun things to learn about ourselves and learn about others too. That's the most fun thing. It's like, if you're going on a date with someone, learn their dosha, <laughs> like all your friends, your parents, like it's going to help you understand people in such a deeper way. I love that. I'm going to go find out Bobby's dosha. Yes. By just looking at him, what do you think he is? He's like, I didn't get, I didn't get a good look. We'll find out. Yes. Find out what is, what is Bobby Gold? All right. Thank you, Sahar, for being here. It's been a joy. Yay. Thank you for having me. All right. And of course, too, check out uh, 
at Highest Self Podcast because we're about to have a conversation on there. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out.